ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Decoy, here now are the Killer Bees, Jill Blank and Jeremy Brennan. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Andrew Carlson outside, out here, uh, engineer, not outside, in here, engineering. Uh, it's Brian McDonald back at the palacious gal media near the shadows of the galleria we are broadcasting live from the decoy in spring branch first person that comes up to us and says that you have sports radio inflammation i'll buy you a modello i'm in a good mood today i'm in a good mood today you come up to us you say that you have sports radio inflammation i will buy you a modello first person that does that modello on me i'm only buying you one though don't get greedy um it's time for the Rockets to start tanking. I, I, I'm there. The, the time for the Rockets to start tanking again. Uh, I'm a big believer that getting to the play, even just the play-in, I, I think helps the Houston Rockets. I've given it up. I've given up the idea of the Rockets making the play-in. I know there's still 28 games left after the All-Star break, not the midpoint of the year, as we know. But the Rockets are going in the wrong direction. They, they've lost three. They're three and seven in their last ten. The teams above them are playing good basketball. Like They're currently chasing Golden State for that 10th spot. Golden State has won seven of their last ten. They're also behind Utah, so they have to jump two teams in order to get into the play-in. So I don't like that. I'm throwing in the towel there. Uh, They're three games back regardless of that. They're struggling. They're not playing well. And the most important thing whenever you talk about this is that the Houston Rockets' first-round pick is top four protected. If they finish with a top if they finish with a top four pick, they get to keep it. It doesn't go to Oklahoma City. And, well, who cares? You know, this draft's not that great. They have Brooklyn's pick. You don't really need another first-rounder. Would you rather have it or would you rather not? This team's not making the play, and even if they do, that's their ceiling. It's more important that the Rockets get a top four pick. It's time for them to embrace the suck. It's time to tank. It's start to start rooting for lottery balls for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, look, it, it's tough to watch. And when Aaron Holiday is basically one of your best players, <clears throat> excuse me, and all these guys that you're expecting to see develop are just crapping the bed in unison, and, and the basketball, the quality of basketball has gone down as well, it is time to reevaluate a whole hell of a lot because of the fact that, you know, you really want to – now it, it's just basically admitting we just want to throw the young guys out there and see everything we can see – and at the same time, that's why I wanted to move Holiday. It's not because I don't think he can be a good backup here. It's because he could have been a, a resource to at least get another asset somewhere else because you don't need to see Aaron Holiday. He's not in your long-term plans. And, and, and I'm in Thompson, and, and obviously a lot of guys are, that you need to see a lot more of. And to your point, the reason why we talked about Embrace the Suck with the Texans was trying to get the highest picks and the best assets possible. You never stop trying to get and accumulate assets no matter what you do in professional sports. When you look at this Rockets team and you say, hey, we don't need any more young guys. Well, guess what? Maybe somebody does. And maybe they like some of your young guys already on your roster or the chance to draft someone that they like with one of the picks that you have. And if this team is not going anywhere, we've talked about this numerous times, you and I have, you're either really bad or you're really good. But if you're mediocre, you're not going to get a whole lot better. And what's the ceiling of this team? Like, even if they get hot and get the 10th spot, okay, we have to win two games to get into the postseason. Like, the fourth pick, a top four pick is more important 
than where the Houston Rockets are at. The top four pick is more important than playing in a play-in game. And also, that's unlikely. I think that is unlikely. Like, I think it is valuable experience to do that and chase that, all of that. But it's unlikely. It's not going to happen 28 games to play. This team cannot win on the road. This is one of the worst road teams in the NBA. They've won five games on the road all year, and you're trying to chase down a play-in spot whenever you could have a top-four pick, and you kind of pointed out to the reason of why that top-four pick is valuable. Um, You have a collection of young players. You have expiring contracts. I think the Rockets have positioned themselves, credit to Rafael Stone, to acquire a star this offseason if one becomes available. And if you can't, well, at least you have young players that you're trying to develop. The the Brooklyn Nets pick is something that's in play here, too. Mm -hmm. Like, what if you get super lucky – and all because you're tanking, and you end up with two of the top four picks, or what if you end up with your pick in the top four, Brooklyn's picks in the top five? You could, you add that to the the young talent that you have. You are in the best position of anybody in the NBA to trade for a disgruntled superstar or a superstar that becomes available. That is far more important. Your top four pick, you getting in the top four than trying to finish two games back for the 10th spot of the Western Conference so you can try to play in a play-in game. That's why when you look at it, we were talking about this a week or so back and even before the deadline, like the fact that everybody kind of puts the next peg on the, uh, the, the checklist as making the play-in or the playoffs. Well, no, when you only win 22 games a year ago and you've already won more than that, you've already been a successful team this year. You've made the improvement. And the fact that your coach isn't on the hot seat, he's in the first year of a deal, he's not going anywhere, people are crediting him over and over, and I get it, he comes from a winning environment. He wants to win. Everyone does. But you have to be realistic. And you also have to look at the big picture when you talk about this team and think about the fact that, to your point and the one that we discussed earlier, the fact is, is this team, even if it gets in to the play-in, Ain't playing much longer than that. And, they're, they're, you know, if their grandiose hope is they're going to get into the first round of the playoffs, they're going to get out of that first round of the playoffs almost as quick as they get in. Yeah. It's not advantageous to sit there and say that's what we have to have. No, what you have to have is a bigger vision for what this team could truly be by getting as many assets as you can and be realistic about what your expectations are. And it isn't like some sort of failure either. Like, this is right. your one of Ivime Adoka. Like, we expected this year to, yeah, fight for a play-in. But, and, and I've wanted to be a team that makes the play-in. I've talked about that all, all year long. But yesterday's game is the thing that broke the camel's back for me. That was the loss that broke the camel's back for Branham. Because Memphis is not good. No. Memphis is not good without John Moran. And you were, I, I thought they were unprofessional in the first quarter of basketball. Awful. Zero effort. Eme talked about it after the game. We'll talk about this a little bit later, about switching up the rotation, playing with some energy out of the, out of the gate. Like, And I get that. Like, Ime Adoka is a competitor. He's going to want to win basketball games. But that's not the best long-term interest of this team. And it would be different if you had your first-round pick and it wasn't um, – you know, it wasn't going to Oklahoma City unless it finishes in the top four. Because what's the big deal between, like, fourth and sixth? It's not really that big of an issue. But this year, because you lose your first rounder unless it's in the top four, if it lands in the fifth spot, we'll see you. It's, yeah, gone. it's gone. So, like, the gap between four and five, very, very thin, very, very slim. This year it's massive because it means you either have a top four pick or if it lands fifth, it's going somewhere else. Yeah. And I understand you have the Brooklyn Nets pick, and I understand that gives you a little bit of cushion. It gives you a little bit of leeway. It gives you a runway to land on and feel okay about it. But at the same time, would you rather have a top four pick or would you rather not have a top four pick? And what is the cost of doing business when you're talking about that? Right now the Rockets record 10th worst in all of basketball. They have a 14% chance to finish with a top four pick. But they're only 
three games out of the eight spot, which it jumps all the way up to a 26% chance. You can almost double it. It's time to start losing games. Let the tank begin this final 28. They need to regroup during the All-Star break, talk about where they are as an organization, come back and lose basketball games. Yeah, I mean, when you think about this, too, we're not talking about a Steven Silas coach team. That's an embarrassment. That's tough to watch. That people can't t- turn on and, and try to stomach watching a full game. You're talking about a better brand of basketball. You're talking about seeing some of the improvements from some of your young players. We saw early on the development of Alpi. We've seen the growth and development of Amen Thompson. We know that there's young talent to be developed on this squad. So it's not like they were a year ago where they were, looked like they were running amok on both ends of the floor, weren't playing defense, had no structure on offense, and were just trying to get theirs. We're seeing a totally different product, which was the first step in being a, a better and a more winning franchise. You're seeing the fact that they've, sustained, that they've surpassed last year's win totals. Now it's about looking at this as a big picture and saying, hey, look, this is how we get better. And, and you don't have, I mean, obviously no player wants to talk about losing. But who you put out there and the way you put them out there and the coaches having, being on the same page with the general manager is going to be paramount in terms of getting the kind of results that you need for the overall long-term growth of this franchise. We a texter saying, like, how do you find a shooter? Like, you don't need a tank. You need to find a shooter. I, I don't – I haven't, like, t- done the deep dive on who's projected to go where. Like, I've, I've t- taken a couple of looks at a couple of mocks. But I am familiar with the players that are in um, in the draft. That Dalton – I don't know how to say his last name – connect guy who's a really good shooter. He's projected to be a top-five pick. So there's your shooting. Uh, the kid at Kansas, the Johnny Furphy kid, 6'9", oh, yeah. Really that he, I mean, he screams NBA guy who can knock the he can shoot the heck out of the basketball. You saw this Kentucky hand. kids getting a lot of love. Reed Shepard, uh, oh. who's shooting over fifty percent. So, like, where do you get your shooting? You finish in the top four by tanking. That's how you get your shooting. Shepard's daddy was a hell of a player at Kentucky. Oh, was he? I didn't yep. know he had. Uh, I didn't know oh, he had yeah. genes yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, His dad was really, really good at Kentucky, and so it's in his genes and. Uh, he can play. Furphy, and you saw it firsthand. He's an NBA guy, man. That kid's body, he's long, he's athletic. He's willing to rebound, too. And, and yes, he and he'll run the floor. He finishes. And more importantly than anything else, if you're looking for a shooter, it, it, it'd be great to have, like, a guard that can shoot. When you're that tall with that wingspan and you can stroke the three the way he strokes the three, he is going to have a, a huge future in the NBA. Those are the kind of guys, when you add them to the mix, now – whether you, you add a guy that pl- if he's playing a position someone else plays, if he plays it better, he's going to play, and that's the kind of player you want on your squad. Yeah, that's that's why. And would you rather have that guy, or would you rather not have that guy? And if you're thinking, if you're thinking, well, I don't really care about the young players anymore. I want to acquire like a star. Okay, well, is the team that you're talking trade with? Are they going to be interested in a Johnny Furphy? Or are they not? Are they going to be interested in a pick you literally do not have? So, like the value of finishing top four, I think, is paramount for the rock. Like we talk about the championship nucleus building to the playoffs building like a championship contender and they're far, very very far away away from that but adding a valuable piece even if that valuable piece never plays for you can go a long way because it could be via trade so you got to take you got to I mean, think about this jeremy from a financial standpoint just to use a, just so, somewhat of an example but if you have a portfolio that's extremely successful in investments are you going to turn down two, two possible additions to your portfolio that, are, that you have the opportunity to obtain just because of the fact you say, nah, I have too much? Yeah. Hell no, you're not. Because whether you trade them or you keep them and develop them and reap the benefits of them, you want every asset you can get, and the Rockets need every asset they can get at this point. Right now, the 10th spot's Golden State. They're 26 and 26. Is it better to win 40 games, go 40 and 42, miss the 10th spot by one game, 
or is it more important to increase the odds of you getting a top four pick? The answer for me is simple. 713-780-ESPN. What is your answer? 713-780-3776. The HRMP listener line. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. YouTube as well. All you have to do is search ESPN uh, YouTube. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch. First person that says you have sports radio inflammation to us. I'm buying you a Modelo. Also, when we return, we, we mentioned Ime Adoka talked about maybe a rotation change. He hinted at the starting lineups, having more energy. Uh, what does he mean by what he said? Seven, and who is that message directed to? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch. Great pleasure of mine to tell you about Gentle Ben for a variety of reasons. At the top of that list, I believe what I say. Gentle Ben is the absolute best. Whether it's the vodka, best in the state, the gin, best in the market, or the bourbon, the double platinum winner at the prestigious Ascot Awards, Gentle Ben uses their innovative, revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you will ever taste. Smooth, clean, eliminates the burn. Don't labor through your drink. Enjoy it. Savor it. And you can do that with Gentle Ben. You'll love what's not in it, including gluten. That's right. But Gentle Ben isn't going to brag about that one, though. All spirits are naturally gluten-free. Get some Gentle Ben at Ben's Bar inside the Toyota Center when you're watching the Rockets tank. Head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room or stop at your favorite liquor store on the way home. Whether it's Total Wine, Specs, many of the local stores to pick up a bottle today. Ask for it at your favorite bar, your favorite restaurant, or just head to GentleBen.com. One, you can learn more about their incredible story. But two, you can order straight from the website. That's right, GentleBen.com. Add the vodka, add the gin, add the bourbon straight to your cart. And Gentle Ben will deliver it straight to your door, your doorstep. Highest craft, softest sip. That's Gentle Ben. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. Daily specials here at the Decoy in Spring Branch. Got to take advantage of that. Great spot for all of your sports viewing. Great spot to watch the fights, too. UFC boxing, never a cover at the Decoy either. Uh, full volleyball courts, which are great when the sun is out. It's a beautiful day. Uh, 9866, if you suck every year with young players, all first-round picks, and they suck, i.e. green, uh, then it, all it is is a bad word every year unless you start hitting on your draft picks, go T-Wolves. Okay, but then what if you combine Jalen Green Jabari, and then a top four pick if you land there for Zion Williamson, who apparently the Pelicans are looking at Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and probably trying to decide between the two this offseason. Donovan Mitchell, if he wants to get out. So all of those assets, even if they're losers, according to this texture, you can still combine them for somebody that who you think you bring in and you turn the corner and you start winning games. Let, let me be very clear in saying that I don't think that any of these guys that you just brought up are trash. No, but, I don't think but, so either. But, but no, but, but the reason why I say that is because one man's trash is another man's treasure. He's saying when he texts in, essentially, Jalen Green is trash, that, these, that, that he's, he doesn't see any you know, big, big upside on these young kids. Well, guess what? Someone else does, and someone else scouted them as hard as you did when they were coming out, and, and someone else has a, a person or two in their organization that's probably still very high on multiple players on this team. So the fact is, if you can pair those two guys or, or multiple players that they like and, and something else, like a pick this year, and get to something that you desperately need, which is a true, legitimate, lead superstar-type player for your squad, 
then you do it because there's a million different ways to construct a roster that's a competitive team in this league. And right now, the abundance of young talent alone and then the addition of almost desperation on the two veterans you signed with big money is not getting it done. It's not getting where you need to go. But that's not to say that they can't get there. It's just that you have to be more open-minded to say – it's not just about developing the young players and expecting Brooks and Van Vliet to be the lead dogs for, for the foreseeable future. Your long-term future probably doesn't include either guy. Hate to break it to you, but they might not even be here as long as their contracts they signed. But in the meantime, they were used because you had to spend money, and they were supposed to bring some veteran leadership to the locker room. 52-40, tanking at this point is a loser's mentality. Disagree, it's a winner's mentality. It's how you add talent, it's how you add superstar to this team. Uh, eight four three seven. what does it take the Rockets to play some bad word defense? I don't know. <laughs> like it's, it's disappeared. It's, it's unreal how everybody was bragging early in the season that they were a top-five defense, and actually at one point I think the best defense in the league. And now suddenly to see how far they've fallen off. And defense is a whole lot of want to with a whole lot of understanding of where to and I don't think right now when you watch them get back on the other end of the floor that there's there's any kind of cognitive work going on in their heads of knowing where they need to go and how they need to play and I don't know where it went yeah, that's why they had to bring Nate Hitton in yesterday get a played pretty well there go Cougs a little dog in them a little dog love seeing those minutes from uh from Nate uh 713-780 ESPN which leads to the the next question he made a doka uh, he had some quotes after the Rockets game yesterday where he wasn't too pleased with the way that uh, his team was playing, uh, hinted at some changes, especially the starting lineup. He's like, we need more energy to start games. So if he's saying we need more energy to start games and hints at rotation changes, that makes you think starting lineup. Do you yeah. think that he was talking directly to somebody? I think everybody wants you to think that he's talking about Jalen, and, and obviously Jalen getting sat down in the second half is going to make it even more that people are pointing the finger at Jalen. The fact is, the, the biggest thing my takeaway on all that is All-Star break starts today. This, this was their last game before that they, they had some time off. Veterans are the guys that normally mail it in the night before All-Star break, and they probably go out a little early. Or, or you know, I've seen this happen over my, my experiences where the vets just basically say, we'll be all right after the break. I, I'm basically, I need some R&R. But these young players are not supposed to do this. And so you could point the finger at a variety of different players because Alpi didn't play well, because Jabari didn't play well, because Jalen didn't play well. And you can look and say, okay, well, if we assume that Fred Van Vliet's going to be available either after the All-Star break or shortly after that, that, that means Amen is probably not going to be in the starting lineup. I don't think it's advantageous right now to sit Jalen Green. I don't think that the answer is make him the sixth man and bring him off the bench. I think it's better to say, hey, we're going to keep putting you out there, but you're going to have these things are going to happen more often when you're disciplined or sat down if you don't start grasping the concepts of defense and some of the things that they're preaching offensively in terms of the quick shots that sometimes he takes. Yeah, I, I don't really... I tend to agree that he's not talking to anyone specifically. Uh, I think that this is more just a general message trying to get the team to play harder uh, whenever they return from the All-Star break. But I think you can rule some people out. I I think you can rule Amin Thompson out because I think Amin Thompson's been playing with great energy, and he's a guard that's averaging over 10 rebounds a game, which is effort, and he's given his, you know, try. He's trying uh, defensively. Fouled out yesterday, too. I don't think you foul out of games without actually trying to play defense. Like, a lot of times you get zero fouls. Like, that guy's being passive. He's not trying very hard. Uh, I think you can make a case that when Fred Van Vliet comes back that he should stay 
in the starting. Yeah, lineup. but I'm saying you're saying that right now, coming no, not, out of the break, I'm saying that... he's definitely not talking to a men. He's not talking to a men. Thompson. I don't think he would be talking to his veterans through the media. So I think that rules out Dylan Brooks. I don't really think there's a natural like somebody to start instead of Dylan. Same thing with Jabari. Like he could be talking about Jabari, but who's who are you starting yeah, at the you don't four? Have any bigs. You don't have anybody to really back him up if Easton's is not if Easton's not back either. And then the same thing with like Alpi. You're not going to start. Jock Landell. You're not going to start start Jeff Green at the five. So the only person he could possibly be talking about is Jalen Green. Uh, so I won't rule that out. But my general takeaway is that he's talking collectively to the entire mm-hmm. unit. Get your together right. and let's start playing some basketball over these final 28 games. Although that's the wrong message. It should be losing in these final 28 games. Well, the other thing, I appreciate the fact that at least he owned it to himself. He's got to look in the mirror as well over the break and try and figure out if he needs to be doing some things differently. But I think that overall... You know, he's another one of the coaches that likes to use the media sometimes as a pawn to kind of hammer home his message. And I think the message overall is that's just not acceptable. That's not the effort that this team is supposed to be putting out. No matter whether the the performance is there and the ball's going in the bucket for guys, you can still play defense. You can still hustle. You can still get up and down the floor. I think if he has the guts to sit guys down the way he does one at a time and to see the team that actually got you back in the game last night, in the first half, very quickly, when I saw that energy level, I would have sat down multiple guys. I would have sat down multiples, and I would have brought in multiple bench guys to just say, hey, look, if this is what we're going to do, if we're looking like we're mailing it in and there's not a whole lot of effort, I'll find five guys off my bench that's willing to give me more before I got down 23. Yeah, it was, uh, that was an ugly game. I think you're right, though. It was kind of like we're limping into the All-Star break. Like, I think they had kind of already checked out. And you don't like seeing that. And I know Emei hates seeing that. Uh, 9470 Dylan Brooks needs to get his bad word together. He looks worse than the rookies when it, with his uh, untimely fouls and mistakes. He's becoming a bad example to the younger guys. You can see it in their faces at the end of the last two games when Dylan Brooks makes a mistake. He's been playing poorly. Yes. He's been playing poorly. I was not a fan of the signing. You know that. I, I, I was not a fan of the money they gave him and the amount of years they gave him. But, like, early on, it looked like, hey, from the standpoint of bringing a little toughness, bringing a guy that is kind of a, a veteran that can kind of work with, alongside these younger players but show them how it's done and give them a little tenacity, I, I, was, I was at least encouraged. Lately, that's a whole hell of a lot of money to be spending in a whole lot of years on a guy that just is all about, you know, fighting. Firing people up and trying to you know get under people's skin and making a few threes. He's got to play better. Yeah, he hasn't played very well. I, I don't. We'll, we'll revision his history a little bit later. Uh, it'll be a good All Star break segment. Seven three two two. My decision to take it depends on when I can get Fred, Cam, and Tari back healthy. If that's a month from now, let's tank. If it's after the All Star break, let's go for it. I kind of want. I, I want to shut Tari down. Like it, it's kind of been like, when is he coming back? Oh, he's close. Oh, he's not close yet. Oh, he's close. He's not close yet. Shut it down, get healthy for next year. That's yeah. where I'm at. And here's the other thing with that, Jeremy, is what you don't know what their line of thinking is, but the one thing you do know is if he's a guy that whether you need him back, like you said, or he's possible, we know the Knicks have been interested in him in the past. Mm-hmm. You can't trade a guy and expect value if he's dinged up and he's hurt and there's questions about his health. So one way or another, he's got to get healthy. And I love what he brings to the table and, sure. and all the different things he can do. But like I said, no one's off the table to me. So – the first things first, regardless of whether you're, you're, you're playing for the rest of this year or not and what you're doing next year or not, he just needs to be right and then judge. Don't try and force him out there where he's still not completely right and he can hurt himself again. Yeah, I, I, I'm just because I want to lose games. Just I want to get him right uh, and make sure he's healthy next year. Three three one one. I think, asks the best question to this, to this conversation. Is he made capable of tanking? 
I don't think so. Like, he's a competitor. Like, the rumors at the trade deadline that he was looking for win-now moves. Now, he said the right things post-trade deadline. Did he really believe them? I don't know. Coaches lie to the media all the time. Uh, it's just a fact of life. Uh, I personally don't think that Ime is capable of tanking, but maybe he can be convinced to play the young guys more yeah. minutes. To When Fred Van Vliet comes back, hey, Fred, we love you. Uh, you're going to play 25. That seems like far-fetched. You're going to play 25, 30 minutes a game. Dylan, you're going to play 30 minutes a game, and we're going to get him in Thompson tons of minutes. We're going to give Cam Whitmore tons of minutes. So it's not directly tanking, but you're doing things that don't necessarily optimize your chances of winning. Yeah, that's that's the way teams uh, for the last several years in, in, in multiple sports get it done because you never want to have that conversation with your coach, especially in year one uh, of his deal to, to come here and, and run your squad. He wants to win. He wants to prove to everybody they took the right guy, and he can immediately turn this thing around. But at the end of the day, the easiest way to have that conversation is, look, Holiday's not going to be here long term. Jeff Green's not going to be here long term. Those are the kind of veterans that need to see less minutes and, and probably less than less minutes. Minutes. They probably don't need to play a whole hell of a lot because we need to see what we have and we need to give substantial minutes to guys that maybe haven't gotten enough to figure out multiple positions, playing both ends, playing the right way, playing against the competition when the game's on the line and, and, and it means something. You want to see that from at least six, seven guys on this roster. So just have that conversation with Ime and just say, hey, look, I know what you're trying to do. But right now where we sit and the fact that we got all this young talent on this team, we need to figure out what we got. Lamont, uh, he said, question for Blankers. It's believed that Romo was so good his first couple of years in media because he was not that removed from the game. How long have you been away from the Rockets? Do you still believe you have your fastball on the pulse of the Rockets? Yeah, I mean, I still have a lot of contacts too, Lamont. I know a lot of people that I talk to that are friends of mine uh, consistently, not just with the Rockets. I don't Rockets, think he's being critical for what it's No, worth. I know. I'm saying I'm being honest. And, and I've had conversations as recently as this week. With, with people around this team and, and, and around the league. And, and, yeah, it's not about, for me, I'm just trying to do a service to the listeners. I, it's not about me with my fast, with fastball or not. Sure, it'd be great if I was internal. But internal, the way we've been taught is you don't you don't say a whole hell of a lot. So you're not going to get a whole hell of a lot. Is it a Zach Grinky fastball or is it a Brian Abreu fastball? I'll what? answer. It's a Brian Abreu fastball. I would hope so. It's a Brian Abreu fastball, Lamont. But I don't think you're being critical. I think he was genuinely asking. Yeah, and I'm just being honest with with what – because I have talked to people around this team quite regularly. 713-780-ESPN. The top two pitchers that will make or break the Astros in 2024. It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. He's Blank on Branham. We're at the decoy in Spring Branch. Daily specials like today's a throwback Thursday. That's awesome. That's outstanding. Happy hour until 7 o'clock, too. Can't beat that. Perfect spot for happy hours, birthday parties, corporate events, team building. Uh, they have the three sand volleyball courts, cornhole lanes, too. It's a fantastic spot. 24-foot indoor TV wall uh, where we're currently watching the Genesis Invitational. The big cat's on the course. Not playing great. Started off pretty good. Even still? I think he's plus one. Uh, it was started off all right. He's made a lot of birdies, but he's bogeyed a lot. You can just tell his touch isn't there. But uh, perfect spot to watch your sports. 185-inch outdoor giant screen, too. Boxing, UFC, never a cover here. 
at the decoy. I have a little Will Zelotaris ticket, though. He got off to a hot start. He's playing well like right that. now. Yeah, he's like in that. third, uh, second, tied for second. Is he, uh, he is tied for second? Six under. I need, I need uh, Cam Smith to figure some things out, though, for my DFS lineup. All right, moving on. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, one more th- thought on the uh, Rockets from this texture. No matter what, I am loving watching the Rockets again. Our guys are going to be great. I like watching the Rockets a lot more this year than last year. I, I do think that the upside of this team is actually really, really high. I, I do believe that. I agree with that. There are nights like last night, though, where they weren't a whole lot of fun watching. That felt like I watched it back uh, this morning, actually, caught up uh, on the DVR. That wasn't a fun one to watch. No, not at all. Andrew's watched it three times because he's been forced fed it right here, yeah, right here in front oh, of him. Oh yeah, and they keep running. I it. bet you Andrew's watching that soccer match, that football the, match. The, he's been admit, he was on the air during Connor and Beard admitting that he's continually watching the game over and over again. I said, I hate to break it to you, they still lose. Um, last night it was worse because of the fact that Memphis is horrible. And Memphis had lost nine in a row. And that's a team that you had beaten three times this year. You're supposed to take them to the woodshed. Your talent's supposed to be better than theirs. Derrick Rose is out there sucking wind, and yet he's getting buckets on you. And your, your young players that are supposed to be better than theirs are, are just sitting there and getting it taken to them. And, and that's not good. Because you're right overall, this is a, a better product to watch. This is a team that is now well-coached. This is a team that's getting the kind of instruction that they have sorely needed for the past two-plus years. And there's a whole lot of talent on this roster, but that's why you've got to be patient while they continue to do the things necessary to try and get them to the next level. Because OKC wouldn't be OKC with all the young talent they have without SGA, without the fact that they got a guy young that was on the rise, that was a, a superstar in the making, that has taken over and been the veteran they need. Fred Van Vliet is not an SGA-type player at this point in his career when the Rockets got him, unlike that. So you have to continue to develop to figure out who's next. How do I get that next big ticket to kind of join what I've got? You just reminded me of another reason why the Rockets need to tank. Because if the pick doesn't land in the top four... It goes OKC. to Oklahoma City, yeah. who's currently the second-best team in the West. You're actually playing a little bit of defense by tanking. Not that it would like have this huge significance for OKC, but all of a sudden they get a furphy in that rotation. Whew, I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, because right now at their point, it's like when we talked about like when the Eagles were coming off the Super Bowl appearance and they, they had a, a top-ten pick. You know, that, that's when the rich get richer, and now they don't have to go for best player available. They can go biggest need available, whether a shooter's going to be something somebody else needs later in the draft and don't think there's any shooters worth a top-five pick. Well, guess what? We've got so much freaking talent. We'll take the shooter there, and we'll take our chances. Seven one three seven eight zero espn So the Astros are reported to uh, spring training, and I, I think that there's two pitchers that are the most critical to the Astros' success this year. I know we talked a lot about Verlander yesterday because he's got the shoulder inflammation. He was throwing on the mound today. I've got to be a, a buzzkill Branham a little bit later. But the two most important pitchers, I think, to the Astros' success, and I always give more weight to the starters because the starters pitch more innings, Fromber Valdez and Christian Javier. Because if Fromber is a top-five side young guy and Christian Javier is kind of who he was when he signed the extension, you have a really good rotation. If Fromber Valdez and Christian Javier are who they were in the second half of last season, I'm not so sure that you have a very good rotation. Christian Javier, Fromber Valdez will determine the success of this pitching staff this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think, like you, I think there. I have another answer in terms of just from the overall perspective of the, the entire staff. But you can't get more important and vital and critical than your starting pitching, especially when you know they don't have to pitch as long into games as like a Fromber's done in the past when the wheels have fallen off later in the game and then, you know, it just goes from, you know, 
fantastic to OF in, in you know a matter of pitches. You've got a seventh and eighth and a ninth getting guy now to where the game has been shortened for the starters. So just get us there. But, yeah, there's no doubt those are the two guys that, at first glance, that's who I thought of. Now, if you're going to switch gears for me and look at just because of the way – I expect Frommer to be back. I expect Frommer to be a front-of-the-rotation guy. His stuff is too good. Now, is he going to be back to Cy Young Frommer? We'll see. I I have high aspirations with the fact that the extra rest they got and everything, he'll be good. I think Montero is another guy that I would throw into the mix there. Yeah, he's going to be a middle reliever. I'm not saying as my initial answer, but I'm saying as I just look at from the, the whole staff makeup, in terms of how this this entire pitching staff works, we need to figure out who that kind of middle innings bullpen guys are. So because I think Fromber is a guy that I, I believe is going to be back, Javier is one, and I think if I had to add an extra guy to those two, I'm going to start with Montero because if it's Montero two years ago, this team is going to be really, really tough to beat. If Montero is struggling and everybody's obviously focused on his contract, but he has to – if he's not as effective – that, that's one less veteran guy that you can look at that could fill a role in your bullpen because he's got plus-plus fastball. It's just can he could get back to getting guys out. I don't think Montero matters at all. <laughs> like it would be, It'd be good if he helps. Like It'd be good if he pitches well and he could like solidify your fourth bullpen guy. But he was bad last year, and you got to game seven of the ALCS. But he got better. He got better. Sure, yeah, second, second half, half, second second half, half. ERA was under like yeah. 340. Like, that would be really nice to have. But I just don't think he's critical to the Astros' success. Now, would he lock down that middle relief? Would he give you the arm there? Sure. Uh, but I just don't think that his like his season's going to define the Astros' year. Like, on the, like, I would throw one more in there uh, way before Montero. That's Hunter Brown. Like, if Hunter Brown pitches anywhere near to his ceiling, like, that's far more critical, especially as a starter, than what your fourth reliever is giving you. That's fair. I- I'm just saying, it, it, with everybody looking at from my perspective, I'm thinking about the bullpen, replacing guys that you don't have anymore, the arms that they've been looking for. And even after they got Hader, you know, we had talked about getting one more veteran arm in the bullpen. And to me, if he's already on your roster, if he can be the guy that he was two years ago or close to it, or even the guy he was in the second half, Montero solidifies a whole hell of a lot because there's so many starting pitchers for me to choose from. I believe they're going to find five and six guys by the by the you know the middle of the year and when guys start coming back that you're going to be fine in the rotation. To me, it's like when you got to go into the bullpen multiple times before you get to the back end. I would love to have a Montero pitching and getting guys out in the in the three point range, you know, three point one range from an ERA perspective as opposed to five plus. Yeah, just give me the fourth starter over the fourth reliever, and nowhere near the level of impact of a Fromber in a, in a Javier. No, no. Like th- those, those two are going to determine your success of the season. Well, there's no doubt. You have to have one of them pitch well. Like you can survive one of them not pitching well if like a Hunter Brown emerges and Ver- Verlander doesn't fall off a cliff and stays healthy. Uh, but you can't. You can't win if both of them are as bad as they were in the second half of last year. One thing that I was encouraged about, looking at just the picture that uh, McTaggart posted of these two guys, they both look thin. I noticed that. They both look thin, which is encouraging to me. And I wonder if the Astros philosophically, like in a way to counter the pitch clock, if they're working on conditioning more. Like Smoltz talked about this a lot last year, about how he would run a lot. We've seen pitchers kind of get away from the conditioning and the cardio because it's not really like you don't have to be in shape really. Um, but now with the pitch clock, you kind of do. Like you, you do have to be in shape. You, it's, it's, like it's better to be fit than not fit, and it's more important nowadays with pitch clock than it was pre-pitch clock. Yeah, you're right. And, and we talked about it at the end of the year last year 
uh, and you were on it in terms of uh, Fromber. Was it Fromber or Javier? Uh, but just as the both weight, of them. The weight being an issue. Oh, yeah, both of yeah. them, really. And, and when you look at it, it's because of the fact that you see guys sucking wind on the mound a lot more now because you don't have that time to take a waltz around the mound and, and, you know, and throw out a few balls and, and get you know, someone to come out and visit the mound. You've got to be on your game and be ready to go pitch after pitch after pitch. And I think that the other thing that I thought about when I saw Fromber after I noticed that he looked like he's a lot more trim is the fact that he got rid of the braids and the long hair and stuff like that, too. That, you know, not that you think that it might be a, a big factor, but you know what? It, they, it's heavy and it's hot in Houston. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? Maybe he's just made an overall conscious effort that I've got to streamline everything to be more effective. I hope that's the case because he looked like he was pretty tight. You know, they, they do play inside at Minute Maid. I know, but he still – every time they showed him, he had sweat bubbles were falling off him all over the place. Uh, yeah, and he did. He did. Like, he, he looks like he's in better shape. And it looks like he's can, okay. cognizant of his fitness level. And I actually, my guess is that it's an Astros thing. My guess is that the Astros, as part of their regimen in the offseason, we want you guys to cardio. And literally, that, that's not out of the realm of an organization saying from dietitians to otherwise, hey, look, this is our – this is the way we look at what's happening in pitching right now. And I say it about the hair, tongue, and cheek, yeah. but I will bring this back to you, though, and say his first half, he didn't have the braids last year, and he pitched his tail off. Did he? I thought he added he the braids. He got the braids because he right before All-Star. No, thinking I think he was, was going to. No, that was two All-Star games ago. Is that two ago. years ago? Remember, remember he pitched in the All-Star game, and he all of a sudden had braids? I, I, that that's, was two okay, years ago. Okay, then I was wrong. I thought he got the braids because he because of the All-Star game. Yeah, he did. I think he, I think he did do an All-Star game, but he did an All-Star game two years ago. And I'm pretty sure he had the braids. Yeah, maybe you're right. For the rest of that year and then all of last season. Regardless, the, the main point that you're making is, is, like, look, I, I remember when the Rockets decided with Dwight Howard and several guys on the team, hey, look, eating all this candy and hardening these guys, eating all this candy and, and what you're putting in your body after games and everything like that, it's not helping you. And that's when James was a little thick, too. And they decided, hey, no more candy on the planes, no more this, no more that. We're going we're gonna to streamline it to make sure that we're taking better care of ourselves. As an organization – these are the. This is your success story. This is how you get your players are your lifeline. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Six six nine zero says Garcia McCullers. I think you could survive without them being great if Fromber and Javier are really good. Uh, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I was gonna say when you mentioned Brown, the reason why I wasn't so worried about Brown is I still think Urquidy can do what Brown does, unless Brown. It turns to truly turns out to be who uh, who we thought he was going to be when he came up. Maybe from like a team, like like an ERA standpoint, but Brown stuff's far better. Oh, no doubt about it. But I'm just saying, Arkady's proven that he can get guys out and and he can keep his ERA low enough to keep your team in games. Not last year. He, he had an not ERA last year. I'm just saying, over his career, he's proven. And like late in the season when you needed him against Arizona, he he, he threw a gem that you needed. He, he was really good down the stretch to where. I think that he can get you by until you start getting guys healthy. But at the end of the day, there's no doubt that those two guys have to be healthy and effective for, for you to have success. Someone says it's hot at Minute Maid. I have heard about the AC not being great there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ocho, all the Astros starters regressed last season. What if that is who they really are? That's why I believe the Astros should take the Rangers approach and add multiple quality bats to compensate for lack of starting pitching. I hear you on that. Like Second half, a lot of these starters weren't very good. But the body of work, which is a far greater sample than the second half of last season, speaks yeah. well, especially for Fromber. Javier hadn't been a starter forever, but Javier had been great up until the second half of last year. And I think Hunter Brown was a workload thing. 
It, I, I, there's no doubt I think the workload was excessive on some of the guys, and it, it took its toll. Just look at the resumes, though. Fromber's resume says he's a good pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, Javier has done whatever you've asked him to do, and for the most part, he's gotten outs. He's proven he can be a really good pitcher. They're not, and they locked him up long-term for a reason. I don't think that they thought it was a flash in the pan. We've had guys on in the starting rotation that have proven they can get guys out over their career and even in the bullpen. So it's just a matter of trying to figure it out, and it obviously starts with the starting pitching. 713-780-ESPN. Ryan Presley has spoke for the first time since Josh Hader has been added to the Astros. And Dana, Dana Brown, is he tipping his hand on which internal relievers are going to win these big league jobs? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, a moment right now for X-Golf. X-Golf is now open, and they are the real deal. It is a whole lot of fun if you go to X-Golf for golf simulators. They are the most accurate golf simulators I've ever seen. They're amazing. You can play courses from all over the world. You can drive, chip, and putt. And the putting, more realistic and better than any simulator I've ever been on. I love this place, and you will too. It's, it's one thing to say, hey, there's a place to go to get your golf golf on when the weather's bad and it's raining and you just can't get a tea or you can't get a tea time it's another thing to say you can actually practice your game when it's not sun shining bright lights in the middle of the day you go there at night you can work on your chipping you can work on your putting your driving and everything is so accurate from all the different simulators and the way that they can track every shot that you hit to the fact that you can use your own golf balls that you play on the course so that there's a better feel for you playing the way you play when you're outside by playing inside and it's a sports bar too tons of great televisions all over the place lots of drinks and things going on but there's only way one way to figure out if you would this is the kind of place for you go check it out because once you go there once you're going to go there again absolutely a fantastic place just got open in the katy area check them out today x golf it's at 99 and i-10 in katy Killer bees have relocated their hive. It's at the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, which is currently located at the decoy. Let's join the boys, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Always a great time at the decoy. All of our fans are out here. Chewy, the one. He's the only one. Uh, we are broadcasting live decoy spring branch. Daily specials each and every day. Happy hour until 7. Throwback Thursday. Outstanding. Ladies night Friday. Big sip Saturday. 24-foot indoor TV, 185-inch outdoor giant screen. you got your three sand volleyball courts. If you're into that, uh, top Houston DJ. This is a perfect spot for happy hours like today. Birthday parties, corporate events, and team building as well. Talking about the Astros a bit there, 713-780-3776-0830. I think it's uh, time for LMJ to seriously consider a move to the pin. It worked out in the 17 playoffs that one time, and maybe the workload would be better for his arm health. What do you think about that? With, my colors to the pen. I don't like it. I just don't like you and I have gone back and forth on that in the in the past. But I, I don't like it just simply because, and we've had that kind of philosophical discussion about arm and and how much what's what's more taxing on an arm and everything like that. He's such a he's such a wild card. He's just at this point he's always damaged goods. I just feel like he, he knows he is conditioned and knows one thing, and that is to be a starting pitcher. And if he just pitches and goes out every fifth or sixth day and does that and gives you something 
that's great as opposed to I'm going to throw him in the pen and find situational ways to use him and maybe use him back-to-back days or more often than yeah. you'd like. I, I just stay away from that. Yeah, I think he has to be on his set schedule. I, I think it's easier to start games even though it means you might throw more innings. Yeah. Now, you can be creative and have him start games and not throw more innings. Even even that 17 playoffs, he really didn't work out of the pen. He was more of a piggyback and knew when he was throwing. That's what I was going to say. The piggyback situation, if that was something that you were going to entertain again or you needed to entertain, yeah. that's where you can set him up to do that. That, but right. it's still on that, like you said, that schedule of he's only pitching once every fifth day or so. I, I agree with that. I don't mind if he's a piggyback option. I just right. don't think he can pitch back-to-back days or two times in three days. I think he needs that set schedule. Yep. I mean, his hair has to be cut perfectly right. His fingernails have to be clipped to perfection. His coffee has to be just right that morning, Maven coffee. Maven, so, like, yeah. he's not really – He just to me, he doesn't have – the demeanor and the mentality to be a bullpen arm. Can so. he like? Can you even trust him to be a guy that like you want to start warming up on a Tuesday and then you sit him back down no. and don't use him? No, I don't. Like so, it's like that's where it almost becomes. Remember, like when Christian Javier was coming out of the bullpen at first, and they were like doing the snip snap with him. They would only use him every five days yeah. out of the bullpen. Like that's almost what Lance McCullers would be. Like, you can't have a guy in your bullpen in the regular season that can only pitch every five days. In the bullpen. You know who this is, too? This is Jake Odorizzi. But instead of the, the pitcher not wanting to do it and just saying, I just don't do that, this is from his own medical history standpoint, you just don't do that with him at this point in his career. I mean, and we've seen starting pitchers successfully transition. Like, I hate to do a Cub reference. Well, it's 2024. <laughs> but, like, Ryan Dempster did this once upon a time where he was a starter, had major injury issues with Cincinnati, he then transitioned to a bullpen role. Now, he went back to a starter eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, we have seen guys, like, with injury history. Kerry Wood's another one where, like, they had injury issues and they became bullpen guys. But Lance's seem much more extensive to where that seems impossible. Uh, six zero four three. what if we make Lance McCullers the opener one, two innings, or is that a dumb idea? I'm a soccer guy. I don't think it's a terrible idea. Usually an opener, though, you're taking advantage of matchups. Like, it's yeah. you have a right-handed heavy lineup, one, two, three, so you bring in a righty to start that game for one inning, and then the lefty comes in for the second through fifth or whatever. So it's usually more matchup dependent. So I don't necessarily hate the idea, but Lance McCullers wouldn't be a guy that, okay, we're going to do this because of matchups on a Tuesday, and then we're going to do it again on a Friday. Like, you would have to preordain which game. Like, you would have to do five days rest, four days rest, yeah, like a normal starter that, that's for two one innings. Thing. And the other thing that we've all talked about, all three of us are in agreement, that when he's right, his stuff is damn good. And he is, you know, like a third starter plus type talent in, in, in Major League Baseball. If he gets going, you're not going to just want to throw him out there for an inning or two, and nor is he. And, he, you know, with that starter's mentality, you're going to throw him out there. If he gets rolling and gets the first two inning, gets through the first two innings, you're not sitting him down. You're going to keep rolling with him anyway, and, it, and you also have enough starting pitching. You don't have to do that. I think you can be – I think you can shut him down. Like, in the regular season, you can do it. Like, hey, you're going to pitch two, three innings, and this is just it. Like, we got to save you. If, I think if you're ramping him up or you're trying to get him to a, to, to a, a certain level to where he could be, you know, what you need him to be. But at this point, I just think that he's going to get his starts. He's going to get his, his rehab starts. He's going to stretch it out. And, and when he comes back, he's going to be a guy that's going to want to give you five. 38-78, Lance is not coming back. Two exclamation points. Could be right. Math would tell you that. Six two two seven. McCullers just stubbed his toe. He's out for the season. That's toe. The stub of your toe does hurt. Sixty ninety one. Hot take would, here. Would that be S toey? Yeah, I don't know if I like that one. I kind of liked I'm a, it. I'm grade the joke. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. You're in a good mood. I give it like a four. Shock. A four. A four. I don't, I don't think it's your best work. I don't think it's your best work. But it's not his worst work. <laughs> 
No, it's not his worst work. No. What was that? No crickets. <laughs> oh, well, there's Brian's. There's Brian's thoughts on that joke. You shut your mouth, B-Mac. 60-91, Javier will have Cy Young votes this year. That's a hot take. I like that. I like hot takes. I'm a fan of hot takes. I'm a fan of that take if it turns out to be right. He could stack and rack wins if he's only got to go five. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't I mean, care. That's fine by me. Because he doesn't that's go that deep me. into games, but now he doesn't have to. I lost I'm money okay on Javier Cy Young tickets last year, so I'm, I'm out on that this I'm year. I'm okay with him going five innings. Hey, give us five strong innings every time you pitch, and that's it. We won't even ask you to go to the sixth inning. There you it's, go. There you go. Uh, there is some question marks about this bullpen. Ryan Presley talked today for the first time since the hater signing. What a professional. What a pro- This is the kind of stuff that makes you a fan favorite, Ryan Presley. He said, I get paid to go get three outs. It don't matter, little Southern twang. It don't matter if it's the fourth inning or ninth inning, he said. There we go, Ryan Presley. That's golf clap worthy. That's a professional. I tip my cap to you. That's what I want to hear, and that's something that's going to endear yourself to the fans. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt. Like, there's, again, we talk about all the time in professional sports, the egos, the attitudes, the way everybody sees themselves. But he just that's the consummate team answer from a guy that knows, look, you know what, they've taken good care of me here. I've had good success. But at the end of the day, if I truly am about winning and I still believe in myself, I'll still be getting outs. Teams, whether it's the Astros and or others, are going to want me. And I just have to keep doing what I've been able to do. So I love to hear that from him. And really, you've kind of grown to expect that he's not much to not a guy to say much in the media when he does, that's that seems to be always how he's been, and you, you 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 tip your cap. Yeah, tip my cap to that. Dana Brown talking yesterday, talking about some of the bullpen options and who could be the winners of these middle relief jobs. We're gonna do a lot of evaluating in this camp here, so um, you know all those jobs are open for the most part. Um, we do have some good candidates. You know, we have some good things going on, like Sousa doing well. You know, we're looking. We're gonna take a close look at Coleman. You know, if he can get back to his 2022 years. Um, you know, of course, Montero is he's legit. You know, he didn't have as good a year in 23 as he did in uh, 22, but he's legit. You know, if he could if he could emerge, you know, as our sixth inning guy, I mean, now you're talking six, seven, eight, nine. It's really, really good. So um, it's a good group to be looking at, and uh, they'll all get some, you know, they'll all get looks. I think you can almost pencil in Souza and Coleman. If the season were to start today, they're in your rotation. Or in the bullpen. In the bullpen, yeah. And, and I think you and I were both very, very pleased with Souza. It was a shame he wasn't eligible for the playoffs a year ago. But you know what? He, he showed enough when he was in the Astros uniform that there was potential for this season. So I like it. I like the fact that instead of trying to, you know, to see if you can truly f- uh, eventually and finally find something out of one of the young guys you've been trying to develop over the last couple of years, you know that this is a guy that showed last year he got guys out. He, he looked like he had effective stuff. So I'm encouraged by that one especially. The uh, Dylan Coleman intrigues me because uh, he, two years ago, he had a really good year in, in Kansas City. He had an ERA sub-225. Um, sub three, by the way, it was two seventy eight, so a little bit north of two fifty. But last year he was atrocious. He had an eight eighty four ERA, couldn't uh, couldn't face a batter without walking him. It seemed, but it seems like they're high on him. He's got really good stuff. He's shown he can do it in the bigs. Uh, so I would I would I would remember that name because unless he gets like just crushed in spring. I think he's going to make the team. I think Souza is going to make the team unless he gets crushed in spring. I really think, too, for the most part, because of this this team's expectations and the construction, I, I think they're going to. I, I think they're still going to lean veterans in terms of those bullpen spots. No matter how much people are clamoring for young guys to get opportunities, uh, to me, it seems like that's the way Dana's looking at this roster this year. And, and you know, and he's got a couple of guys to choose from. But the three guys that he mentioned, 
I think are all going to get ample opportunities to, to solidify spots in the middle of that, that bullpen. 713-780-ESPN. Who are your favorites to land in the Astros bullpen? 713-780-3776. Willa Bits, when we come back, you never know what you're going to get with the Willa Bits. That's the beauty and the fun of Willa Bits. You don't know what to expect, but you know that it's going to be legendary. What bit next on Willa Bits? Killer Bees live from the Decoy and Spring Branch on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.